We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. If I put our jacks in the paint, how you gonna stop me? How you gonna stop me? We can go head to head. Call out your top three. Call out your top three. Look at the switch from Buddy Hill. Now that boy got three. We got Holly Burton running point. This is a Benedict for the shot. If anybody gonna come in the post, then we got Miles Turner for the block. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. All right, everybody, we're back and better than ever because we're here to talk about the top 10 most important Pacers uh, to the team long-term. Fachi at number 10, who do you got? I got a guy that you could not be lower on. No, I'm just kidding. Look, but it's Ben <laughs> Shepard. Now, here's the thing. Look, it, it could. this is where things start to get a little bit interesting because I got Ben Shepard at 10, and he's yet to do anything in the NBA. We're, we're yeah. talking about Summer League, a very mixed bag of Summer League. Some games were real rough. Some games looked very promising. But he's under contract for at least the next four seasons. I think the Pacers have loved him dating back to his freshman year at Belmont, which they said, which I I was very surprised to hear that initially. But I think he's going to age like fine wine because he's going to be brought on slowly. It's not going to be this year. But the shooting potential, I think, will pay off in the coming years. I think that, hey, shooters shoot is a very valuable attribute. And I think that... That's something where if you could shoot, hey, it comes down to basically, can you get more playing time? Can, can you get players to set you up? A, a guy like Tyrese Halberton will find you if you're open. It probably won't be this year, but when Ben Shepard is ready, so will the Indiana Pacers. And I think that we need to be patient with Ben Shepard because I think that'll be here long term. Yeah, I mean, that's the goal. I mean, you want to see him here long term because he was a draft pick they invested in. So. I'm not rooting against the guy. I'm just going against the odds based on what I've seen from this Pacers team in their draft history. 
late in the first round. Those guys have not usually panned out to get, you know, rookie extensions. I don't when's a besides is a Miles Turner the last guy to get an extension off his rookie contract? Uh, actually, I think I, I think so. Yeah. And that's 2015. So you're yeah. talking eight years ago. You'll probably see one wow. from Matherin and Nimhard, hopefully, yeah. but that's kind of what the whole situation's been with the Pacers drafting history. It's just not been great with the first round picks. So that's why I was just a little bit lower on Shepard projection wise, but totally understand why I have him at 10. And I think that making a case above all those guys is very understandable because I think really from like nine to 13, those guys are interchangeable in my opinion, they're good. in their own tier. So I'm going to go ahead and share my number 10 Fachi and that's buddy healed. Okay. I've got buddy at 10 because he's on an expiring contract and that contract is so enticing to throw into another big deal. Like, Buddy Hill is a very important player for this team because of his shooting ability, his connectivity and team chemistry with Tyrese Halliburton. Like you can't erase that. And I thought Buddy did a good job, you know, adjusting to his new role last year towards the end of the season. He's still a favorite of Rick Carlisle's. He's still going to come in and just, he's an Ironman. He doesn't miss games. So I think that he's still very important to this team. He's definitely in your top 10 of most important for this season and potentially moving forward because if they can get him on a cheaper deal coming back, I would love that, but I just think that knowing it's an expiring contract, knowing that he's got a good amount of salary to throw into a trade to get you somebody that you really might want to bring back for more of a long-term solution with this roster, he's just kind of in that middle spot. So that's why I have him at 10, maybe just a little bit lower than right in the middle, but I do think that his offensive ability is going to be huge for this team moving forward because depending on whether he starts, comes off the bench, they just need someone that can put the ball in the hoop like he does. And number nine, I got Buddy Heald. So okay. I, I'm, I'm right over there with you. Look, Buddy's going to turn 31 before the end of 2023. So he's been fantastic for us. He is expected to come off the bench this year, similar to how he ended it last year, just like you talked about. But th- being in a contract year, that's the big thing. And Alex, this is the last real contract for Buddy Heal to cash in on. Because at this point, the next contract's going to take him to about 35 years old. You don't really get four-year deals after, you know, at, at that point. So this is the last time to really cash in. He's also never made the playoffs. I think if the Pacers want to continue to prioritize the development of youth, which they absolutely have to, they're loaded at the two and the three spots. It's tough to find Buddy the 30 minutes that he's used to playing. And over the last three years, Buddy leads the NBA in threes made and his chemistry with Tyrese Halliburton, I feel like, is amongst the best chemistry between two players in the NBA. I, I Obviously, that could be a little bit biased, but at one point, uh, more than halfway in the year, they had amongst the most assists to each other, like Halliburton to Buddy Heald. So uh, only time will tell if he sticks around. If Buddy is to re-sign with the Pacers, he shoots up this list. But it feels like more likely than not, this is probably his last season with the Pacers. Crazier things could happen, but that's why I have to have him at number nine, despite his awesome talent. Yeah, he's a, he's a tough guy to talk about because fan favorite, he's fun to watch. Yep. If you're if you're just watching this team, like Buddy Heald is really fun to cheer for. Oh, so yeah. It's not like I want Buddy to go. I just, I'm kind of seeing the writing on the wall a little exactly. bit with the guys ahead of him on this list. And at number nine, this is where I kind of said my tier ends for this group that's where i have isaiah jackson oh and all right 
I have him yeah. above Buddy, and I have him above Jalen Smith only because of the contract. That mm-hmm. that was the main reason why. How old is he? Twenty one years old. Twenty one. Yeah, twenty one years old. He's a big guy that can jump out of the gym. He can catch lobs. I think he wants to. Like he plays the style this team wants to play. But I do worry about can he develop anything else outside of blocking shots and dunking the basketball? Can he be better guarding in space? Can he be good on switches? Can he be better in drop coverage? Can you know, he'd be a better offensive player because we've seen flashes of his shot, but he's yet to really showcase it and really get, be given that opportunity. Can he be a more dynamic rebounder for the time that he's in the game? So a lot of things for him to improve upon. He's only 21. You don't want to write him off too early. I, I do think that I'm a little bit down on him right now in terms of what I think he can become, but bigs always take longer to develop. Look at Miles Turner. He was in a totally different spot than Isaiah Jackson in terms of like what his expectations were. But a lot of people were up and down on him because of the inconsistencies. And I think Miles finally kind of broke free from all that criticism last year, Fachi. There's still going to be people that are critical of him just because that's what happens when you have a bunch of haters. But, you know, I think in terms of Miles' growth, it took some time. Now, Isaiah is not anywhere near close to what Miles is expectation-wise, like I'm just saying, but... I do think that the ceiling is higher for him than Jalen Smith because of the capabilities that he has. But the contract is the only reason I have him higher because you have that team control. And it's not like this player option where Jalen can opt out at the end of this season. And the same with Buddy Hield being an expiring. So that's the main reason I had him higher. But it was kind of like all these guys, especially Jackson Hield Smith, were all very interchangeable. I really struggled where to properly place him on my list. No, I, I definitely could understand, you know, why you have him at nine. And, and you know, there's there's a good argument that can be made of, hey, look, 21 years old. A lot of guys come into the draft are 21 years old. So it's just like for us to kind of, you know, not write them off, but already be souring. It's like this guy's got a lot of basketball to play. He really does. But I also just kind of feel like Isaiah Jackson had always been like that had like the most natural talent and never really got to hone it and mm-hmm. uh, throughout his stages like just one and done at Kentucky definitely could have benefited playing another year in college then his, his freshman uh, his, his rookie year in the NBA I remember them saying like you might not really see him that much and I remember being like wow all right they're really not gonna play him and then he played plenty and it was like okay great hey look let's count that as like a bonus year and then last year we just didn't see enough added to his game and I really hope year three is different, but now it just feels more competitive for him to be able to, you know, find that spot. But it, but the team control definitely needs to be factored in because a lot of the guys that you talked about before, you know, they might not be here long enough. So definitely uh, worth having them in that area that you have them. And like I said, I was a little bit lower on him, but I would love to see him reach his full potential because two years ago I was like an IJAX maniac. So I, I want to get back to that. <laughs> But, I want I want you to get back to it too, Fachi. Uh, like, you got number eight. At number eight, I got Aaron Neesmith. Okay, look, we're on the same boat here. Yeah, because here's the thing. Look, I, I just I went through all these levels like a roller coaster with Aaron Neesmith. Like, ah, at first I was real skeptical, and then <laughs> and then I, you know, I was like, ah, now I'm really skeptical, and then I believed. And like, look, now I I believe, but he's gonna have a reduced role, and I really feel like if he can be who he was last year, but even in a reduced role, I think he can find a long-term home in Indiana because he's still just 23 years old. 
He was taking on super tough defensive assignments last year. A true three and D player who's versatile. He could play the two, the three, the four, and I don't think he's going to break the bank by any means. Yeah. I do think that he could be that player that comes back on a deal that's like good for both sides, and then the Pacers could still go big fish hunting, you know, for for you know, I don't know, like an OG type player. But he's got all the intangibles that you're looking for in in a, like a depth role player type, not a starter. So Aaron Neesmith at eight, I think that's totally reasonable. If you said Aaron Neesmith was the eighth best player on this Pacers team, I think that'd be a pretty fair assessment of him as a player. Yeah. I, I think that him being like your third best player off the yeah. bench, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. Th- that's just kind of who he is. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but like asking him to be a starter last year for that many games was a little too much. Now, he's not going to provide you offense like a Buddy Heald. That's not his game. But no, he's also going to provide so much more defensively that Buddy Heald can't provide. So that's where that is like the big difference between those two guys because you said it. Like he was guarding the best wing player 95% Mm -hmm. of the time last year. So he's not afraid of the challenge. And I forget who was on a podcast talking about it, but they said Aaron Neesmith just, I think it was Grant Williams, was on J.J. Reddick's podcast. And they were talking about Aaron Neesmith fouls all the time. That's how he plays defense is fouling. But because officials know that's how aggressive he plays, they don't call it. So uh, defenders have to, or offensive players have to adjust to his defense. And I love that about it because he's a very physical player. He's going to go out there and he's going to muck things up. So, yeah, I, I think that the contract is going to be interesting, what he's looking for extension-wise, how he adjusts playing less minutes in, in this role because we saw earlier on when he was in that lesser role we didn't love what we saw. So it's going to be up to him to like really just jump off the confidence that he already had from last season and just say, okay, I'm ready to continue to go in that direction and be that confident player that I was the last 50 games where I was really shooting the ball. Well, playing good defense and not this guy trying to figure out who I am. So seems like a good Indiana guy. I would love to have him here long-term on this team because he's one of those guys that could be an X factor in a playoff series with his defensive ability, and if he can get hot from three, it's a guy that's going to be playing critical minutes, I think, in some very close ball games. Very well could be. I'm excited to see what's next. I want to see if last season was the real deal or if it was kind of like an outlier type season because, you know, 60 starts. That yeah. ain't going to happen this year. So I'm very curious to see. <laughs> Hopefully not. You know, ex- exactly. And I think you made a good point before, but like, you know, if you were ever asking Aaron Neesmith to be like essentially your, I don't know, fourth best option at times last year, it's it's not a good scenario. This year, this team's deep. And I think that if he can stick to playing his role really well, that's winning basketball right there. Absolutely, Flatchy. What you got for number seven? All right, for number seven, I got Bruce Brown. Oh, okay. Here's the thing. You can look at this and I maybe I always look at this contract a different way than other people look at it, but we've talked about this. Look, Bruce is going to turn 27 in about a week. And he was one of the most coveted free agents in this past class. Known for his defense, versatility, he can also make plays, he can hit threes, fantastic in transition. He's a champion. He'll work his butt off and he'll make buying into defense contagious. But he signed to just a two-year deal, and only that first year is guaranteed. That second year being a team option, I feel like could come down to team success. If the Pacers are much better with Bruce Brown, then it's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. We're 
picking up on that. If the Pacers don't live up to expectations, he could end up being a fantastic trade chip at the deadline or in the offseason, anything of that sort, or just someone used to maximize cap space. But on the flip side, he could have a very big impact on this team and be one of the true adults in the locker room that also has a big presence on the court. So it's a little bit hard to read because Pacers could very well end up re-upping him down the line, or maybe he only lasts one to two years in Indiana. It's hard to tell right now. This might be a bit of a hot take, but I kind of feel like a lot of the success of this team this season hinges on how Bruce Brown fits in with this team. Yeah, it's a good point. It's it's like because he's hopefully going to be that guy that can come in, be your two-way player, really help you know, be that connector on offense while also being a decent three-point shooter. Hopefully is a better fit, you know, next to Matherin in that starting lineup than maybe a Buddy Heald might be, or even an Andrew Nimhart who might not have the uh that's kind of I think they're very similar. They're close to me. I think Brown's got more experience right now. So yeah, yeah. that's where that is. And I, it's one of those things you just can't ask ask too much of him. But I do think that his success this year is going to impact how well this Pacer team does. So I have him a little bit higher. At number seven, I have Obi Toppin. And the reason I have Obi Toppin here is because he will be a restricted free agent at the end of this season. It's a contract year for him. He's really going to have to prove himself. But we just haven't seen enough from what, you know, from his time in New York to really bank on him being a long-term fit here. There's optimism that he could be. There's hope that he could be him and Halliburton seem to have a great relationship and I'm excited to see how that blossoms over the next year. But at the same time, you also have a guy, the Pacers drafted kind of in that same position that might be a little bit of a better player long-term than Obi Toppin is. You just, you don't know what's going to happen with Jairus Walker, but that's the goal at least anyways, that Jairus Walker is so good. He's a starter. And I guess it's the same goal for Obi Toppin. You want them to both be starters. They have to make that decision when it comes down to it, but Obi Toppin's not known for his defense. He's known for his offense. He's a subpar three-point shooter. Uh, He's just got to take a lot of steps to me to really improve his overall stock, but I still feel like he's more than likely going to start based on everything we know and how Carlisle handles, you know, young guys versus veterans and that kind of thing. But I feel like Obi Toppin is a very interesting player. I'm excited to see what this year means to him because I think for almost anybody on the roster – this might be the biggest year for Obi Toppin. I know we can say that about a lot of players. I think Matherin's up there too, but this is a big year for Obi Toppin to prove that, okay, Tibbs didn't believe in me because he was so high on Julius Randle. This is what they were missing out on. I think we want to see more of that than, oh, this is why Tibbs didn't play him as much because he can't do this, this, and this. I want to see the other side of it. I want to see a motivated chip on a shoulder Obi Toppin like we've been hoping to see since we got him much. Make or break year for Obi Toppin. If he delivers and puts it all together this year, he's going to get paid. And I think that the Pacers will view him as a main, you know, a big piece of their core moving forward. Like 25 years old, sky high full potential. I have him next on my list. So I'm okay. just gonna I'm gonna run with it. So sky high potential. This is exactly what Obi is at this point. He's potential. He's like an idea, you know. We remember years. Oh, was that the you know the national player of the year? Well, all signs point to an increased role and in unlocking this special talent. We know he can run. He could soar through the air with the best of them. Um, and we should see exactly that with what Halliburton is going to bring to the table. Uh, and being able to make Obi a true lob threat in transition. 
transition. We already saw it on those, those dizzy runs. Awesome to see them have that chemistry. We knew they would, but there's so much more to Obi's game than just dunks. You talked about it. subpar three-point shooter. Yeah, that's fair. I do think that he could improve and be a better three-point shooter. I do think he could be a better rebounder. We don't need him to be a great rebounder, but can you pull down five-plus rebounds per game? I think he can do it. Look, if if that's the case, he plays well, then the Pacers struck absolute gold. They could re-up him as a restricted free agent. He could be a piece of this core long-term because he fits what we're looking for. Maybe he could be like the yin to the yang of Jarris Walker at the four um, because obviously he's bringing offense. We're not at – we're not – expecting him to turn into a stud defensively, but we are asking him to say, hey, you got to buy into defense. And I'm sure that's what he was at least trying to do under Tibbs because you can't play D there, you can't play. And he wasn't playing that much, so it's not like he was playing great defense. But I'm really excited of what's going to happen with Obi Toppin. And this man, he he's ready because, like you said, everything's riding on this season. We've seen guys put together one good year and get paid. He has that opportunity this year. And those are the type of guys that you say, hey, you know what? That's a, it's a good problem to have. A contract here. We're going to get the best out of you. That's what you want. You want motivated players to prove mm-hmm. their worth. And you want guys that haven't had the opportunity to be like, okay, Indiana gave me this opportunity. I want to be here long term. So that there's a lot of different v- variables there. But I will go to my number six, which is Bruce Brown Jr. And so we're right there. We're very close on these two players and just – who cares? One spot's not that big of a difference, in my opinion. But I just feel like Bruce Brown, for sure, starter, highest paid player on the team, good two way guy, is going to be able to play fast, going to be able to really play next to Tyrese. Tyrese recruited him. It was a Pacers big free agent splashy signing. Yes, they had to get to the salary floor. So that's why they overpaid for him to outbid other teams. But when, like Michael Scotto said, when all other 29 teams want him on your team or on their team, you know, you got yourself a good player. That's going to make a lot of sense for this team, especially for this year. You talked about his contract situation, being a team option next year. That's so important, I think, because of this, the uh, flexibility it allows the Pacers to have. I, I, I'll, ref- I'll reference this because John Hollinger said it on the Zach Lowe podcast that this is such a crafty contract by the Pacers because they could decline that team option, still have his bird rights, and then renegotiate a long-term deal, which I think is something to keep an eye on next offseason. We'll talk about it more when we get there back in May and June of next year, but that's just something to think about because you don't have to just pick up that team option and overpay him once again for another season. You could maybe get him to a three- or four-year deal if you really like the way he fit in with this team. So I think Bruce Brown makes a ton of sense, but there is still that question mark of how long-term is he going to be for this roster, even though the age fits perfectly you have a lot of guys even dressed high draft picks in or you've traded a lot for above them in our top five so i guess before we close things out with our last segment here Fachi, recap uh quickly who you had 10 through 6 all right at number 10 i had ben shepherd at number nine buddy healed number eight aaron neesmith number seven bruce brown number six obi Toppin. All right, and I had Buddy Hield at 10, Isaiah Jackson at 9, Aaron Neesmith at 8, Obi Toppin at 7, and Bruce Brown Jr. at 6. So we have the same top five, but will they be in the same order? Find out right after the break. All right, ready? Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.